Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hammer and Rails podcast, where we celebrate the fact that the highlight of the 2015 Purdue football season was A.J. Hammonds announcing his return to Purdue men's basketball at the spring game. Yeah, it was all downhill from there. With us, as always, we have our full cast tonight of five writers. I am T-Mill, of course. We have Drew Schneider checking in from lovely Texas. And missing his cue to check in. That was my cue. I just cracked a Shiner Bach, so we're ready to go. <laughs> Drinking on a Monday. That's awesome. Uh, next week, hey, Shiner's Monday delicious. <laughs> next, we have a recording in uh, the AA and Arbor, Michigan, where there are women of loose morals. We have Juan Crespo. Hey, hey. Ann Arbor is a saint. You hear me? She is a saint. She may be a little bit of a gold digger, but she is saint. <laughs> Uh, coming to us from our nation's capital, where uh, if how many people have to be knocked out before he becomes our uh, U.S. president? We have Andrew Ledman, a budding lawyer. Uh, you would, I'd be so far down the list. Uh, I think it's got to be a zombie apocalypse before I I show up on that list. I like those odds, and it's better than the election this fall. Uh, finally, coming to us from God's country, we have Casey Bartley checking in. Yeah, and I've been studying tape for the past couple days. I think I finally know who everyone is. I won't call Drew Juan within the first five minutes this time. Well, there we go. Uh, as we know, Boiler's coming off a very big senior day win at Mackey Arena, where uh, A.J. Hammonds and Rayfell Davis played their final games along with Steven Toyra and... And uh, Johnny Hill, last games as Boilermakers, which, how much of a dick move was it that Toyer didn't get to come in until 20 seconds left? I mean, seriously, Painter, he's going to be responsible for blowing a 12-point lead with four, with a minute to go. He finished his season with the ball in his hand. That's eh. fine. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure he could ask for much more. I mean, he, he knows what his place is on the team. <laughs> But this is a player that at least got to play some uh, first half minutes a couple of times in his career. So it's good to see him gone. Uh, but aside from uh, minutes for walk-ons, uh, what do you guys think of uh, senior night? Uh, who wants to lead off here? I guess I'll go first since I was there. Yeah. Um, the energy was, you know, really good, really loud. 
Purdue's fans still came out. Um, I think the biggest thing is Caleb Swanigan's revelation at the five. Um, you know, he almost made me a believer last night, and I've been very much not on that bandwagon at all. I and believe you said last night uh, in our group text that you wanted to uh, go to Europe and have very expensive surgery to be able to have his children. Uh, that's how much you came around on him. I don't know about Europe. They're pretty expensive <laughs> over there. Maybe down south. <laughs> down south. Right where the surgery would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, for those of you that don't, obviously pay attention to everything that we post and everything that we do. Casey is not Biggie's biggest fan. Um, you know, he, he rails on him a lot. I think he like the most, like the rest of us has high expectations for him. So to see the text messages that were coming through from him <laughs> yesterday during the game, you know, just praising Biggie and saying, I'm a believer. He's turned me around. were were huge shocks. I think to the majority of us, but it was nice to see. He did have one heck of a game. This is true. I, I I thought he, you know, it was pretty impressive to see him take a guy that was named the Big Ten's freshman of the year and basically abuse him for 40 minutes last night. It was kind of fun to see. Yeah, um, actually, I got a chance to ask Painter about this um, in the press conference, so I think now would be a good time to play that for you. Uh, Coach, do you feel like Biggie playing the five unlocks something for your team on offense? Well, I think when he, you know, plays the five, you know, stretches things out because we'll, we'll bring him out or we'll move him around and that moves their center around very similar to what people do against us you know if you look at tonight look with Hap and um, you know his ability to dribble the ball make decisions get by you you know get stuck and then be able to kind of worm his way back into shooting kind of a, a swinging hook or whatever he does it's it's hard to guard and so people expose us that way a lot and you know we really got to help those guys and they have to get in a stance well when he gets there he's kind of the same way you know even though Hap you know moves a little bit better than him um, but they're still both of them are still elusive and can do some do some different things and like if Hap was with us and like you know he's with a 7-2 guy on the court he can't do the same things because there's no space to do it it really gets tight in there and so you have to learn to play with big people if you kind of look around our league, you know, it, it, you really have to use it to your advantage, but sometimes it gets flipped on you, and, you, you know, you have to be careful with that. Well, thank you, Coach Painter. That was uh, us sounding almost like a, an official media outlet asking a question to Coach Painter with a great response there about Biggie and uh, his development here uh, late in the season. I just want to point out one thing. Uh, Casey told us this that after he asked the question, he was kind of intimidated because Painter is just staring right at you, locking eyes, you know, really going in-depth as, you know, as, as a great coach does when he's talking to you, trying to explain something, he's locking in and, and explaining things to you in case he said it was a bit disconcerting. So I just want to put, a, put that out there and see how Casey responds. Oh, yeah, he like, is that way. It was all right at first, but after a minute, like 40 or like second 45 of him continuously looking at me, then then I got a little shaky. <laughs> he knows how to control a room. <laughs> yeah, he does. That's why I never asked the question when uh, I had the press pass for the second Michigan game. A little scared. And that was a loss. <laughs> Uh, my favorite was when uh, he managed to get himself a technical foul at the Big Ten tournament, and uh, it stopped a breakaway layup for Ohio State, and I asked him if he ever expected to get a defensive stop so long after his playing career ended. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about that. Uh, yeah, so uh, as you heard, uh, Coach Painter quite happy about uh, Biggie's development here late in the season, obviously, and uh I'm wondering, do you guys think that we'll see more of him at the five in the tournament, or is it going to be the, uh, well, we're going to have a lumbering seven-footer out there come hell or high water? Um, I can take this one. Um, I think you'll see. I think it really just depends on the matchup. Um, I think that's all the tournament's going to be. If <laughs> if they've got somebody that, uh, you know, if, we, if they can't stop our centers, then we're just going to play our centers. But if they have random big goon in there hacking away, um, I think playing, switching Biggie to the five and stretching things out uh, could uh, free up our shooters, especially if we're just red hot like we are uh, currently. Do we think we see it against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament? I don't think against Woodbury. I don't. I think he's 
we might see it against Woodbury, but um, I think I think Iowa would quickly switch to their backup center who uh, you know shoots threes all day. Yeah, and but one, wouldn't that one be a better thing, Mac? Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say one thing to keep in mind too is you know how tired um, we made Hap last night just running up and down the court against you know he had to go against Hammonds, he had to go against Haas, and he had to go against Biggie. So you could just see him wear down throughout the game, and I think that's a luxury that Purdue has that a lot of other teams don't because we do have those three guys that are so, so huge and can play down low and, and play a bit different game, each one of them. So it can be a big advantage that we can, we can use. Yeah. We might have three of the best seven centers in the conference. (laughs) And that's not even counting George Quill Taylor. So, but I doubt we'll see him very much either. Um, another thing that kind of struck me, and I wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were on this since there's a ton of speculation on it. Um, do you think it's pretty telling that the last two games we've seen the walk-ons be able to get into the game at the end of the game and even Taylor, but uh, no Kendall Stevens? I mean, we covered this on the last pod a little bit. Uh, there's no way you can unless they have some coming to Jesus moment in the summer, there's no way you can expect Kendall to be back or to play for the rest of the year. I mean, Klein barely got off the bench today and he, he'd been in, you know, painter's favor for the last few games. I just think it's telling that he can't even get in with, you know, Eifert and Toyra and Taylor coming in, you know, cause he, I'm, I'm thinking back to the situation with, uh, with Jacob Lawson right near the end of his Purdue tenure, he was still at least getting some garbage time minutes uh, at the end of games, but you know we can't move on Kendall, and um, it makes me wonder if there's something still going on there or what. Um, do you guys think he will be back next season, or is it just kind of a all right, you're you know we're shutting you down pretty much for the rest of this year, and then uh, check over the summer? I think that's probably the situation. I don't, I don't think we know really what's going on behind the scenes. I, I could definitely see a scenario where Kendall is there to support the team but isn't isn't even ready to play and so you know I know he got a couple uh you know a few minutes here and there after he came back but that really all seemed to to shut off so I I don't I think there's probably more behind it than just you know Painter being mean and putting him on the bench I, I think um you know he could possibly he could possibly come back um depending on, you know, where his head's at and what he wants to do and if he's enjoying basketball. Because just watching Kendall this year, he's never he's never really seemed like he's having, you know, a good time out there. It's always sort of that, you know, neutral sort of look when he's playing well and he's playing poorly. So um, we'll see. I think we'll see as time goes on if he's actually, you know, being sat because of his playing uh, t- uh, playing ability or sitting because of another reason. Yeah, I you think saw this. He was dancing in like the lineup, waiting for the national anthem. Like he seemed in good spirits. Was he doing the Dougie? What what kind of dancing? <laughs> I'm not nearly that like caught up on myself. Well, you know, a, know what it he could, was doing. Different dances could mean different things. So, no, I mean, <laughs> I I just I I, I know that. what. I get this conversation, but at the same time, it is kind of ridiculous. I mean, none of us know what's going on, and and it's so hard to read body language of anyone, let alone anyone you you know only through, uh, well, know in quotes through watching them and on television. So I think we where we ended up last week is everybody said he was going to leave except for me, uh, <laughs> and I was only doing it more of a devil's advocate. You know, because he's got the family connection that I think would be hard to hard to sever. But it is a just an, a weird situation with seemingly no no real reason behind it that we know of. Um, of course, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But from from an outsider's perspective, it is very strange. I I agree, and it's just. I'd like to think that he's going to come back, especially since he would be Purdue's lone scholarship senior. And like you said, that he's got that family connection and everything. But, you know, we've seen, unfortunately, we've seen this before where a player, for whatever reason, uh, sours and sees his minutes dwindle and dwindle and dwindle. And then, surprise, surprise, by the end of the year, he's gone. So, you know, I would love to have him come back. I don't know what the kid's going through, whatever, um, from, you know, what little we do know, it sounds like it's been 
a heck of a year for him off the floor with what he's gone through losing his friend. But, uh, you know, we'll welcome him back with open arms and we'd love to see him back playing, you know, whenever he's ready. Uh, but to go on to a little bit happier things and one more point from last night, PJ Thompson making it rain. Uh, <laughs> what can you say is, is that something that's uh, hopefully going to spark Purdue uh, with their outside shooting? Uh, do you think it might throw a bit of a scare into some of the other teams like in Iowa that weren't able to see Purdue be, you know, he wasn't as much of a threat from the perimeter. And how do you see that working into the offense going forward here into both of the tournaments? Well, I think that Wisconsin was just disrespecting PJ Thompson and he, he took it personally. If you're going to give any big 10 point guard a chance to sit there with both of his feet completely set, catch the ball and shoot it. You should be able to make that shot. Except if their name is Johnny Hill. Except if they're... <laughs> that's not what Johnny does, though. I mean, that's what PJ does. PJ is a set shooter. If you're going to give a set shooter a chance to just sit there with his feet set on the spot and eye the rim. That one time where he just he pump fakes, thinks about it, keeps his feet set, and then hits it, and, nobody, and still nobody closed on him. Um, I don't think you're going to see a lot of teams go for the leave him completely wide open strategy. But I did like how he he had a couple moments there where he worked a nice uh, passing game on the break with, I think it was Dakota hit him for a couple yes. that were in rhythm, and then I, wasn't there one where uh, Hammonds kicked it back out to him? I believe so. So, you know, that was impressive to see as well. And, you know, especially with that starting lineup that we employ, we don't really have a dedicated three-point shooter out there. And I think that's one of the things that's kind of aggravated me is – you know, we just, you know, nobody's a real threat. When your best three-point shooter is Vince, who's good, but that's not his primary game, I I think it almost lends credence to teams collapsing in and, you know, it's kind of can lead to those slow starts because they're concentrating so much on Hammonds right from the beginning. Yeah, I think it's more than anything, it's just important for his confidence to get a few going. Um because it's not his natural inclination to be a chucker. Um, so especially when he takes that pull up with confidence at the end of the first half, um, it definitely creates a lot of space in the post. You know, Caleb was able to really take advantage of it in the second half. And if Dakota's off or Klein's off, like it's, it's gotta be PJ that steps up because Hill can't hit jump shots. And Edwards has to do so many other things that just him as a spot up isn't going to work. Right. I mean, Edwards has got his three point shooting has to come from him going to the basket to set that up and open it up. And as you guys said, Hill, oh my goodness, I cringe every time he takes a jump shot. It's he had a pretty. nice looking jumper there in the in the No, no, he made a jumper. There's a difference between making a jumper. When the ball went through. His was, legs double pump when he that shoots. was ugly, I agree. I think he had one jumper where his legs like went in two different directions, and you're just like, "What? Ow!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he has the funkiest release I think I've ever seen of somebody that plays has played basketball his entire life, and has like, I don't even know what that shot is. Well, I mean, in fairness, PJ shot is not a thing of beauty. It's no. consistent, though. It's the same shot every time. If you took a video yeah. of PJ shooting, it is that is the he shoots the exact same shot every time. His release is the same. His body movement's the same. If you videotape Johnny Hill shooting, it could be ten different shots on ten different uh, attempts. Okay, Johnny I, I have to look jump it up. shot is equivalent to Charles Barkley's golf swing. Oh, oh. Uh, I had to look it up here. Johnny Hill is actually shooting 53.5% from the floor on the season. That is good enough for third on the team. However, he's great at finishing. At the yeah, rim, he the is thing. remarkable. How many of those shots have been outside of five feet? <laughs> like six. And two of them were every, the shot every miss, but like... three of them. I think he's <laughs> missed three layups this year. The rest of them are all jump shots. Is if you were only- to look at his little shot chart thing, I think it would all be just like within two feet of the basket and then like four like weird shots sort of spaced out that the shot clock was running down on. 
He is one of eight from three, and that should tell you something. Yeah, he's taken eight too many three-point shots this year. Yeah, well, seven. He made one. I'll take that. <laughs> I I want to say that might have even been against Rutgers, if I'm if I remember correctly. <laughs> but you know, that's Rutgers. You can just throw that out. Uh, speaking of Rutgers, uh, let's move on to our next topic: Big Ten tournament. Rutgers is winning the whole thing. I mean, just mark it down, right? Sharpie. <laughs> Based on their last game, Rutgers is one of the hottest teams in the Big Ten, right? Oh yeah, they're Did they fire. win. Yeah, they destroyed Minnesota. Uh, oh, they, I miss this. The thing about Minnesota, though, is they had to go to Piscataway with five scholarship players. So, <laughs> uh, essentially, the, the five D of doesn't us could live have been the in pitch. West Lafayette anymore. The <laughs> they, D lives they, they, in Minnesota, and it's being broadcasted on Twitter. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, another fun fact with Minnesota: they have zero scholarship guards left to finish the season. Oh uh, and it's not like college basketball uh, needs guards or anything at all. So uh, I, th- I think that makes your first day very, very interesting. You have Rutgers is epically bad. It was considered one of the worst power conference teams of all time. But they still managed to pull off a win against the other team that's at the bottom of the standings in Minnesota, mostly because Minnesota is just not a functional Division One college basketball team right now. So, uh, you know, you take Rutgers, you take Minnesota out, give you know, give Illinois and Nebraska those Wednesday wins. Uh, how do you guys see th- see things shaping up from Thursday forward? Um. Well, I would think. You know, I'm going to go really quickly through these games. So I'm going to say Michigan beats Northwestern. Iowa will beat Illinois. Ohio State beats Penn State. Wisconsin beats Nebraska. And then I think I think it might be the top four seeds uh, are going to win in the quarterfinals. So it'll be Purdue versus IU and then Michigan State versus Maryland. Um, and I'll go Purdue-Michigan State in the final with Michigan State winning. Ah, all chalk except for uh, except for uh, Purdue over Indiana. This isn't yeah. a Purdue blog in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Are we not like terrified to play Iowa again? Because I don't. This scares me. I do not want to see them ever and again. They're, they're not playing as well as they were, you know, a month and a half ago when we played them. Yeah, but the issue. Like, isn't there often so much against us? It's that press, and they're so long and athletic everywhere. We still, like, Wisconsin put the press on us. We look better towards the end. But the first play, we threw it right to them, like, within two seconds. Details. Well, well an important thing to keep in mind <laughs> is that in the first Iowa game, they only had three first-half fouls. So in that second half, they were free to play defense as hard as they want because anyone could foul. Whereas Wisconsin, when they started pressing, they were, Purdue was already in the bonus or about to be going to the double bonus there. So as soon as they tried to press, you know, there were a few fouls called there, and suddenly, you know, most of their players were, had four fouls, and they had to let up on the press. Oh, and Wisconsin's not built to press. I've watched Iowa play since since that. Utah was hitting that that flick of the wrist three from that everywhere. Um, I mean, just like doesn't matter if somebody was in his face, that somebody hits tips the ball on the way to the goal, it was going in. And I watched them play Iowa, and they just died. Or, I'm sorry, Indiana. When they played Indiana, they just died in the last three minutes. I couldn't hit a shot. Made stupid stupid choices at home. I, I am totally off the Iowa train. We saw them do this a couple of years ago, too, where they got off to a hot start, and then I think Tennessee beat them in the tournament in the play-in game. I think that's the sort of Iowa team. They live and die by their shooting, and if, if it's not on fire like it was in the first half of the Big Ten season, they're, they're, they're going to struggle to win. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, how many big men have went off against us? Like, at some point, it's not like we can't just blame bad luck. We're not very good at covering the pick and pop. We don't get back in transition and track shooters great. Um, There are issues that they can exploit the same reason we lost to Illinois, pretty much. And I kind of want another shot at Iowa, but uh, uh, mostly because uh, we're great against them in the first half. Fantastic. Uh, Just let's not play the second half guys just can we call it at <laughs> halftime and i'm good 
You know, I, I would like to see us get another shot at them, see if we've learned anything, because it's obvious that we can play with them for a half. I mean, it's more than enough, but it's just really strange to see two different teams play against them, especially especially that first game in Mackey Arena where you have a 17-point lead at halftime at home, and they ran us off the floor in the second half, and it was more than the press. It was... You know, that, like you guys said, they were hitting their shots. They were just playing with a lot of confidence. And Purdue was not hitting anything on their end of the floor. And it was just, it was bizarre to watch. I They still scare me. That's just, it. that half is going to haunt me for years. Yeah. I, I think it just depends which Iowa team we get. If we get January Iowa, Purdue's going to be in trouble if, they, if Iowa makes it Friday. But... If we get the February Iowa that we've seen in the last seven games, Purdue should be able to beat Iowa, or who knows? Maybe Purdue ends up playing Illinois instead because Iowa falls on Thursday. Yeah, that I mean, that, that is a possibility. You know, you've got none and Hill, and none and Hill scare me because look what they did against us, and you never know. They're the type that they can inexplicably have that game where they go for 50 combined like they did against Purdue. And, you know, that's kind of what happened last year. I believe it was we were supposed to play Iowa in the quarterfinals, and they ended up getting upset. Was it by Penn State? Uh, someone knocked. I know Penn. We ended up playing Penn State because they came from Wednesday. So, I think Purdue's going to end up playing Minnesota. Minnesota's just going to come out <laughs> on fire. Uh, you know, they're going to have four players on the floor at the end of the Purdue game, but uh, <laughs> it's going to be an epic struggle. <laughs> Does anybody remember when Little Patino was like the hottest coaching? Oh yeah, uh, like everybody was dying to have them. He's totally got fired. I have friends in Knoxville that were were calling for Little Patino when they got rid of Conzo. That that was the guy. That was the guy they wanted was <laughs> Little Rick Patino, and he's just terrible. Why? I don't get why people were going after him. Because he was, he no was the, the hot mid-major coach at the time, and look who his dad is. He and everybody went, just it, just assumed, he went, hey, he's he's going to be great. It's in his blood. He went 18 and 14 in one season in the Sun Belt. <laughs> Whoopee. Congratulations. Purdue has extended more football coaches with better records, actually. Oh uh, well, we're we're this is not a podcast that talks about football, guys. We we oh. had our we had our mandated football discussion in the very beginning, so we're done. <laughs> Wait, can I just so, call in the Derek Dooley of college basketball? Is that is that okay? I think that's fine. <laughs> I approve. I don't know who that is, but he used to be a head coach at Tennessee. Uh. Okay, who do, who does everybody think is going to win the tournament, though? So I'm on record of Michigan State. Who does everybody else think? I'm going to go with Michigan State. They're just they're ramping up. The only reason I would be against Michigan State is I could see Izzo just being kind of like, all right, this doesn't mean as big of a deal, you know. Maybe win a game, get to get to Saturday, and he'll just be like, I'm not going to say they're going to throw a game. But he's not going to be overly concerned uh, about winning on Saturday when he knows this team has much bigger goals in mind. I'm going to say Purdue beats Maryland. I think Maryland matches up pretty well with Michigan State. They've got All a right, lot of bodies bold. that can throw at Denzel. Okay. That's what we're here for. I got Purdue. We're on fire right now. Team of destiny. Wow. All right. Can Juan, I change I my pick now? Can I change no. my pick now? Nope. <laughs> nope. All right, I'm going to be the homer here. I'm going to say Michigan beats IU in the Friday just because I can. And these picks <laughs> don't matter. And then Purdue beats Michigan so I can rub it into everyone in the office. And then Purdue beats Michigan State in the final. Wow. So we got three oh, so people picking, Michigan, or picking Purdue. See, I have you nothing to lose. Purdue I'm not putting any money on the line. And I suck at brackets. So I might as well just pit, go with the homer pick. Uh, see, I, you know, everybody wants another shot at Indiana, and that sounds good and well and all. And but they're just playing so well right now. It's so it's so strange to, you know, I I want to hate them. I want to say it's all going to fall apart, but I've been waiting for it to fall apart since 
late December. And wait, wait till the second round of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> You'll be fine. Well, but it's just they're playing so well right now, and they can get so hot, and their their athleticism is such a problem for Purdue that, as you saw, if Hammonds gets in foul trouble again, and especially if we get Valentine, who just has a vendetta against Hammonds, uh, you know, they can they can negate him. They can bring him out on the perimeter with Bryant, and oh God, I hate to say this, but Tom Crean just coached circles around. Matt Painter the last time. Uh, you, well, Travis, you want to you want me to make you feel better? Yeah, sure. Go uh, ahead. The NCAA tournament is not played at Assembly Hall. <laughs> That's helpful. It's true. It's unfortunate that they can't play Penn State in the first round here in Indy. But you know how you guys were talking about when Biggie would play the five. I can see him playing the five a lot against Indiana and going Biggie, Vince, Dakota. Um, Klein and uh, or Davis and uh, Thompson. I could see that lineup being utilized a good bit against Indiana. But you only if Hammonds is in foul trouble. Because only Hammonds only if causes... Hammonds is in foul trouble. But you know, yeah. if it's going to be Purdue Indiana, we're going to get TV Teddy, and he's going to have Hammonds going to have three fouls stepping onto the court. Who do you have guarding Yogi in this scenario? Mm, everybody. Prayer. <laughs> That's what I'd be worried about with that lineup. <laughs> He's gonna get in the lane, but no, I mean he's gonna get. You maybe put Johnny Hill instead of PJ, and you have enough shooters on the floor, I guess. Hill didn't but, look great against Yogi in the first game. I was Hill, surprised. Yogi's not a good matchup for anybody on our roster because he's so short and quick to the ground. He's just so much quicker than than Hill is. <laughs> and, and he's playing. You know, I, I'll admit this. Yeah, he's he's playing some phenomenal basketball right now. And I when I saw him play in high school, I saw him play uh, a game against North Central with Ronnie Johnson. It was one of those I wanted I wanted to see you know okay these are the two guys that are going to be battling for the next four years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, he owned John, Ronnie then, and I was still trying to talk myself into Ronnie. And you know that we lost on that deal, man. Uh, <laughs> he is. He is one of the best point guards I've seen come out of the state of Indiana, and he is just—he's a—he's a competitor, and I got to tip my cap to him. He's done a hell of a job this year, and I'll, I'll just be quiet now. I'll stop blowing Indiana. So Ronnie uh, just yeah, needed more sauce. Yeah, well, I like sauce. The, the shade that Painter threw at Ronnie last night. I don't know if you guys heard. He was oh. talking about how with uh, Rayfels and AJ's class, it's like you know some people when uh, you finish last in the Big Ten, going it's tough. They just. <laughs> They just run on out of here, but he was praising Ray and AJ for staying so long. Nice. I hope we somehow nice draw Houston in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That would be epic. <laughs> Can we also acknowledge that Yogi is a four-year starter and a five-star player? So, I mean, come on. He's supposed to be good. Most five-star players that play that consistently don't make it that far in their college career. And I think that's well, why yeah, limited. so good. It's like they actually have a senior leader. Like even when Zeller was there, I think Oladipo was what a junior that year. Yeah, when he left? A, yeah, right. they had Watch. They had Watford and what's his name? Holes. Don't and say his name. Don't. The other guy we talk don't talk about. Yeah. Right. They had the talent, but they never really had that big senior leadership. And I think that's what they're lacking. And they were talking about that after uh, they lost to Purdue for the second time last year. Yogi was saying how tough. Uh, Ray Fell and the whole Purdue team was, and I think they tried to embody that, and that's really that's really uh, lifted them up this season. Guys, right. is this an IU podcast or is this a Purdue podcast? <laughs> what well, is going uh, on here? Well, I was I was about to just steer us away to our last topic Jeez. of the evening here, and uh, that is the Big Ten awards that came out today. Uh, first off, AJ Hammonds, Defensive Player of the Year, well deserved, don't you say, guys? Oh yeah, I agree. I think he probably should be. I think. I think, in all fairness, he probably should be a two-time defensive yeah, player. Yeah, probably should have been back to back. Yeah, and uh, the the funny thing is, not funny, but just the interesting thing is, is I believe I saw somewhere where, when the AP released their teams today, they pretty much had uh, Ray D as the runner-up, uh, which I find very interesting because Ray fell as. Uh, as our own, as we've seen, it just hasn't been Rafael this year. He's not been good. Like, there's, he got punked by Nigel Hayes 
he couldn't guard Utah. I mean, not, these are good players you're naming. So they let's, are. I mean, and, and, and last and year we made a case about him shutting down every good player that he guarded. Also and it just, true. I can't, I can't think of it happening once this year, really. And I think a lot of these awards, I think most of the, a lot of these people who vote for these awards don't really know what they're talking about. They'll look at last year, watch a game or two, and then be like, yeah, this is my ballot, and then send it in. Right, and he's always jumping up in the air and moving his arms around. It looks like he does a lot of stuff on defense. And we're asking him to guard a lot of power forwards, too. And he is, you know, 6'4", 6'5", and we're asking him to guard, you know, guys that are 6'8", and 6'9". So, I mean, that's we're asking, we're, we're doing a lot of, we're putting Ray on their best, you know, non-center. Um, so, you know, he draws the toughest matchup. Do you think... That Painter asked for that, or Davis asked for that. I feel I like he Painter. tells Painter that he wants to guard the best guy. Because it doesn't make sense that we started him off on Utah, or Hayes for that matter, when we have you know an athletic tall guy in Edwards that can stick them, who's pretty sound on the defensive end and a lot longer. I think a lot of it comes from a point of pride for him. He wants to be that leader. He wants to be that best player defensively. He expects that out of himself. And, you know, we're seeing we're seeing it because he's, you know, obviously played really well this year or he's played really well in the past. He's brought that back, but I I just still think that he's limited from that knee injury earlier in the year, and he's just t- trying to grit through it because he knows it's his last season, and you know at time and at the same time he also knows that if he doesn't at least be a threat offensively, that's going to limit the team even more. Uh, while we're all still looking for him to shut down an opposing team's player. I think we also we need Vince on offense, and he's foul prone, especially when he's when he is drawing the other team's best player. He has picked up fouls, so any I think any time we can have Davis on that best player and Vince off, I think I think it better is better for us in the long run to keep Vince on the court, keep him out of foul trouble, keep our offense uh, running a little smoother. That's a good point. Yeah, that's fair. So I'm looking at I'm looking at the awards and they've got you know the coaches of course and then the uh, media and the same three players were consensus first team on both um, Yogi Utah and Valentine. I am How wondering is Hammond's not on there. That's that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I, who who on the second team or third team did someone vote for that they did not vote for AJ Hammonds? They had to be Diamond Stone, right? Well, yeah. that, third team, no. Third team, yeah. yeah well, uh, it takes is one, though. Well, yeah, all it takes is one, but I mean, I guess you could say maybe somebody didn't. They voted for Mellow Trimble, maybe instead of Hammond. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, Forbes, I guess. Yeah. But the uh, rivals they had Forbes in their first team. They had Hammonds, but they also had Forbes there. Uh, maybe I'm just showing my bias here, but I mean, I, I think Hammond should have been unanimous. I think we all agree that there is. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were all doing our ballots and like there's a four person tier and those four are all up there. I don't think it's that, like someone screwed up. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm glad it's not just me. I'm, you know, looking through those black and gold glasses, but I thought that was just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, because everybody I've talked to and seen is, you know, Valentine, Utah, uh, Farrell, and Hammonds. Those were four of the five guys that were going to be first team. I mean, just if you didn't think they were first team, then, well, you probably shouldn't be voting. It's like the guy who didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr. to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> that, exactly. guy, that guy can have his vote taken away. He should be fired from whatever crap newspaper he writes for, and he should just go away and lay in a corner. Well, I have I mean, feelings about this, guys. Well, how <laughs> the other question is, how is Ethan Happ the freshman of the year, but not on the third team, but Thomas Bryan is, who didn't win the freshman of the year? I I don't even know. Well, and 
Thomas Bryant is was unanimous all freshman team. It, and there's six it, players on the third team on the list that I'm looking at. Well, that's because if they have ties for like one of the last spots, they'll. So they'll, there uh, were six people over half. Makes it even worse. Yeah, it just I I feel like some of these awards they just people just put names on them. Like the honorable mention just kills me. It's it <laughs> isn't it if you just get one vote you get an honorable mention. That's correct. Yes. Oh wow. So there's 19 players honorable mention. Um, if yeah. you look at the media team, I mean. And and, the, and that's like the one the SB Nation awards that all release tomorrow is like. You get one person that gets one third team vote, their honorable mention. I mean, someone, uh, and I, you know, this is just a little teaser for tomorrow. Someone actually put, uh, someone actually gave uh, PJ Thompson a third team vote. Was it one of our guys? That's that outrageous. Yes. Uh, A third team all Big Ten? Yes, it is. I I mean, I'm not saying it's, you know, what I would do. I'm just saying okay, it's, it's not completely outside of the realm of possibility. The dude hardly turned the ball over this year. Yes, he has the second best the offensive same... rating in the nation. It's not, I guess it's not crazy. Yes, Thank but you. on this Man. same ballot uh, of the 15 players they voted for, uh, first te- five first team, five second team, five third team, Peter Jock, Mellow Trimble, Siobhan Shields, and uh, Troy Williams did not get a vote. Neither did Bronson Koenig. Yet they still found a spot for PJ Thompson. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, I I like PJ. He's a great kid. Fantastic. Love watching him play, but uh, he's not one of the 15 best players in the Big Ten. And that's all it takes to get an honorable mention from. Can uh, we call Nebraska, see if we can trade Shields for Thompson? (laughs) I would do that any day. Well, I think if you sweep a team, uh, I'm, I'm not sure about this, but I think if you sweep a team in Big Ten play, uh, both games by at least 10 points, you get to take that team's best player. Sweet. What are we going to take since we beat Rutgers by 60 at their place? They can keep uh, it. Well, <laughs> why didn't we get Yogi last year then? That's, that would have been the crucial play right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I would take Corey Sanders off of Rutgers. I mean, that's... The proverbial great guy on an awful team. Do we think he's good or he just takes a ton of shots for a bad team? Uh, It could be the uh, he takes a ton of shots and is the only, you know, semi-capable basketball player on a team. But that should be an award. Uh, That should be an award at the end of the year. And it should be called uh, the Taylor Battle Award. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Taylor State has had the guy for like four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Penn State always has one guy. That's yeah, how they, they won in the tournament last year. I don't remember his name. DJ I mean, Newbill. We yes. always we always called Penn State the Fighting Taylor Battles because yeah. <laughs> uh, he was all they had. Then it was Tim Frazier. Then it was DJ oh, Newbill. Yeah. Who do they have yeah. this year? They have that forward. Brandon Taylor. Yeah, yeah. That's that like quietly scores like twenty points on good teams. <sighs> so, uh, any thoughts on uh, Biggie on the All Freshman Team? Casey, feel like you're baiting me. Look, he's obviously one of the best five freshmen in the conference. He averages almost a double double. Led the led the conference in rebounding for most of the season. Not just freshmen, but the entire conference. Does he lead the league in turnovers? I don't know if they keep track of. I don't that. think I they hope. keep that. Yeah. But his turnovers haven't been down in the last couple of games. Right. He's played a lot better the last three or four games. And, and that's nice to see. Yeah, and I think Pater alluded to it. It's hard to play as a big man with another big man who's always in the paint. And I think that's where my day of reckoning is coming. That The position he is in is not super easy. I think he could have handled it better. But I'm, I'm trying to be better here. I'm trying to be nice. But, but how much of his uh, improvement here has been from Hammond showing more of a willingness to step out, you know, between 15 and 21 feet. I mean, he's been, you know, willing to step out, hit some threes. He's had that nice little 15 to 18 foot jumper and everything else. And I think that is, it's almost like he takes possessions where he's like, okay, I'm going to step out here because I know they at least have to guard me and uh, give up the low block to Swanigan. 
I think a lot more of it has to do with Swanigan not driving the ball like he's Bryson Scott. Yeah, that's true. I also think we're asking him to do a little less. I feel like the beginning of the year yes. we were putting him at the foul line and trying to like run the offense through him, and he kept making that same like high low throw the ball out of bounds yeah. turnover like over and over and over again. And I don't think I've seen him at the free throw line trying to run the offense. Since about midway through the season, I think we just sort of threw the towel in that, on that, put him down on the weak side, and uh, I think he's doing a lot better with a lot less responsibility. And I think you also have, you know, one of the things that stood out to me last night was him getting to the free throw line and just playing a lot stronger. You know, he takes a, he was absorbing that contact and holding on to the basketball, whereas earlier in the season – it's going to get knocked away by the slightest, you know, little flick of the wrist by the defender. Last night, he's holding on to it, playing strong, and resulted in 17 free throws. I was surprised to see him at the line that much. We gave him a lot more spacing than any of our post players normally have. And that was a lot playing from the five. You're right. Hammond stepping out a little more and PJ just being on fire. But he got one-on-one in the post, and he's a very, very wide, strong, with good touch. Like, it's hard to guard him. Agreed. So, uh, probably some time, probably time we should be uh, wrapping this up. We're approaching an hour here, and we don't want to bore our listeners too much. Uh, I do say um, we have one clip we want to play of uh, Raphael Davis and uh, – Raphael, I did it again – Rayfield Davis and uh, AJ Hammonds um, talking about how they came to Purdue and kind of their feelings on their last game. Hey, Jane, right back to you guys. Just generally, what was it like being out there and this is the last time you're going to play here? Uh, I wasn't really paying attention to being my last time. You know, it hit me after the game. You know, I, I don't get no more games at Maggie. I don't got to do the game, home game ritual. So, you know, yeah, it's sad, but, you know, I've been here long, I've been here long enough, so it's time to, you know, Move on to the tournament, then the NCAA tournament, then move on to the next one. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. Um, like I said in, before, I've been coming here since I was committed my freshman year. Me and AJ committed at the same time. No, we did. Mine was just <laughs> verbal, and his was unspoken. So <laughs> we were AAU teammates, and once he decided to play with our AAU team, and once I decided to commit to Purdue, he decided to commit, commit to Purdue. Even though he fought it for four years in high school, I knew, our AAU coach knew, I told Coach Payne. I mean, everybody knew but him. So, the only thing, we've been, a, we've been a part of this program for eight years now, and that's all we're playing at Mackey. I mean, it's not my last game at Mackey, though, so I need to take that for his work. I'll be back. But, done playing here, it was a great experience. It was a great ride. A uh, lot of fans, a lot of John Brew Club, a lot of atmosphere, but. Like I said, I'll be back. So is it going to be Coach Davis from now on? Or well, it sounds what? like. <laughs> he might have just been saying he's going to come to the games. <laughs> you know, he said, he said it wouldn't be his last game. Well, I think it's time that we announce uh, uh, our bombshell. Uh, some breaking <laughs> news from Hammer and Rails. Uh Rayfell Davis is going to be the next athletic director at Purdue University. Uh, <laughs> congratulations, Ray. It's good to have Young, you. Uh, may youngest your leadership D1 be, athletic director in history. Yes. May, may your leadership be strong and your reign be cruel and just. And may your first child be a masculine child. <laughs> he already well, has he, a child. Yeah, he already it's has a child. I know. It was from the <laughs> godfather. Come on. What? You I for one welcome our new uh, re- welcome our new Rafael Davis Overlord. Uh, so, uh, so f- some final thoughts. Uh, I'll give you guys one question here uh, for your final thought, and we'll go around the horn. I uh, tweeted earlier today. I would sacrifice an zero and twelve football season if it meant a Final Four run. And uh, someone responded with, "I would also sacrifice a body part." So, which body part would you guys sacrifice? Let's uh, start with Juan. Oh, God. Uh, I'd probably sacrifice a kidney because, you know, I could always easily live on and someone else could use that kidney. So, yeah, I'll do that. All right. Next up, uh, Drew, how about you take it? 
Yeah, my left knee is worthless already, so they can just go ahead. Somebody's got to take that eventually anyway, so if it's a final four, they can go ahead and take it now. <laughs> uh, Ledman, what do you say? Uh, I will also sacrifice Juan's kidney. Um, yeah. Great. <laughs> so I think that'll be really helpful for someone. I'm out two kidneys now. That's what I'm. That's what I'm giving to the cause. No, I'm Casey, dead. Casey, how about yourself? Especially <laughs> since we've uh, already sacrificed Wad's life. So Wad's out of kidneys now, right? No longer an option. <laughs> we'll get him a dialysis machine. We're good. Uh, I guess I'll we'll get, get a left liver. It's not getting much play anymore anyway. So <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> I missed that. What was that? I'm not repeating it. He said his left nipple. <laughs> I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> I feel like we should just end it. I feel like... See you, folks. I, I think like this is called euthanasia. Man, and I marked this as clean on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, you can follow us on iTunes. Yes. Oh, yes. Follow Actually, iTunes, follow us, Stitcher, rate uh, us. And comment it is. on the section. Those things help. Uh, report us to the FCC, or does the does the FCC uh, have dominion no. over iTunes? I don't know. You know, I'm the one that majored in communications. I should probably know this, but yeah, you should be FBI answering these questions for us. ITunes. You're our lawyer. No, 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 no. I'm a law student. <laughs> well, you're the closest thing we have to a lawyer. <laughs> that's, that's not saying much. Look at the crowd I'm in. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess I guess I didn't answer what uh, what body part I would sacrifice. Uh, yeah, I would probably sacrifice a testicle for a national championship. Uh, I already have one kid, so I know, totally take- thought you were going to say I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Man, that'll do this it. Con- this conversation <laughs> took a turn. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Uh, so uh on that note for uh casey drew uh andrew and juan this has been the uh third hammer and rails podcast and uh we do thank you for listening so uh appreciate your uh comments rate us tell us uh what we've done wrong what we've done right and uh as always boiler up boiler up